Welcome to The Sound of Automation, brought to you by Clayton and McCurvey, CPAs for growth-driven businesses. Good morning, Brian. Good to see you. Denise, good to see you. Yeah, I understand we're talking about talent today. We are. Talent is the is the word of the day right now. I think as you as you look across the the business community and our clients, everyone is is struggling with this question. So we figured probably a, a good time to have a, a session or a podcast on this. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, in my day to day, I'm I'm doing a lot with you all on talent. We've got some live videos on culture uh, mm-hmm. taking place throughout the year. We've got articles about talent and culture. Um, we're having a conversation today. Help our listeners with why a CPA firm would be so focused on talent and culture. Yeah, you know, it's well, it may seem, you know, a little out of the norm or counterintuitive at first. You think about the role that the CPA plays for most of their clients is that role of trusted advisor, right? Mm-hmm. We get to we get to see so much behind the curtain that they don't tend to open up with, you know, all of their their advisors and, and their support community on. Uh, it's just a logical, you know, point for us to be able to to talk with them about we, you know, we really need to understand what's going on in the market um, to be able to advise them. You know, we, we get questions all the time, you know, what are what are other system integrators or what are other automation companies doing about this, about that? You know, what's the, (laughs) since we're numbers people, you know, what should I be paying this role? Mm. You know, if I want to expand down to, to Nashville, you know, how much, how much should I be paying somebody versus what I'm paying them here in, in Detroit? So, uh, so we do end up getting a lot of questions in that area. And, and so it's just something that we, we try to, you know, keep the keep the pulse of understand what's happening so that we can make better recommendations to our clients. Well, that makes sense. That sounds good. I know we've got some new service offerings in this area as well. So yep. I'm going to sit back and look forward to your conversation with Diag today. All right. Thanks for coming in, Denise. Thanks. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Sound of Automation podcast. I'm your host, Brian Perosic, and joining me today is Amy Lackey of Diag Partners. Amy, how are you doing today? I am good. Thanks for having me. Well, no, thanks for thanks for coming. Um, so today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about something that is, you know, is is always a challenge for most businesses, but I think is taking on even more and more importance as, you know, the boomers start retiring mm-hmm. and coming out of the pandemic and all this other stuff. So um, before we get into that, though, I, I guess, can you just give me a little bit of your background and, and tell me a little bit about yeah. Diag Partners? I'm happy to. Absolutely. So I've been in the staffing industry for about 10 years now. I started actually in logistics. I was a recruiter for uh, long haul truck drivers. So that was my introduction <laughs> to recruiting. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and then I ended up uh, changing a little bit, moving and working in New York for a small boutique staffing firm that that specialized in digital hiring. So more corporate, that was really my first introduction to corporate hiring. Uh, And then I moved back to Michigan after about two years and uh, I found Diag Partners. So Diag Partners is a global staffing firm. We, I like to call ourselves agnostic because there's really no industry or one particular area that we really focus on. Uh, We work, our kind of bread and butter is in the small to mid-sized businesses, but we also have some nice large enterprise companies underneath us as well. Really, our largest presence is here in the Metro Detroit area, but we have a pretty large office in Cleveland, Chicago. We 
we have presence in Los Angeles, Canada, as well as Europe. So um, I've been there for about, oh gosh, six years now. Started as a recruiter, uh, kind of worked my way up, and, and now I'm one of their managing partners for their talent acquisition division. And I also spearhead um, a department that we like to call our shift program. So essentially it's our channel of referral partnerships. So any candidates who we've worked with in the past or who have been referred to maybe some of our clients, mm -hmm. for example, uh, we wanna make sure that those candidates have very strong access and first access, if you will, to all of our roles that are uniquely Diag. So that's nice. been kind of a fun entrepreneurial division yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of Diag partners and it's been a very successful program. Oh, so I'm excited exciting. to continue. Yeah. Well, in full disclosure, I mean Clayton McCurvey works with Diag, yes. so we've uh, we've got a, a long-standing relationship, and 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 I know there's a number of our clients that uh, that we've referred out to you. You guys have been uh, keeping us busy this year too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think everybody's staying busy <laughs> yeah, this year. That's, that's uh, it's and, very true. <laughs> and we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little more in a bit, but you know, kind of just to, to start things off here, um, you know, everybody, I think when you're out recruiting. Everybody talks about their winning team and their winning yeah. culture, and and I guess what you know from from your perspective, what does that really mean to uh, to a business when you're trying to attract and, and bring in new talent? Absolutely. So you mentioned this earlier, but talent and hiring is just such a hot topic of conversation. It always has been, but this year in particularly. I think building a winning team in today's environment really has to incorporate a nice hybrid of skill set, but more importantly, culture. Mm. Uh, I think right now there's kind of this weird thing happening where candidates are staying with the companies mm -hmm. that treated them very well throughout the pandemic, yep. right? So when you're moving forward or looking for candidates who are very passively on the market, you have to attract them to a winning team as well. And culture is really the big ticket. Um, I know we've talked about culture for years, but it's really making an impact in today's job economy. Yeah, you know, and I think it gets uh, it gets even more challenging because those, uh, as you mentioned, those sands are always shifting, mm -hmm. right? You know, it, it for for a while there it was money. You know, exactly. Uh, I know when I came out of college, uh, you know, you could you could move a job every two to three years mm -hmm. and, and get a, and get a huge raise, and and then you know as we were talking and preparing for this, you know, then it started to shift more towards the culture focus mm -hmm. that you've got to have the right culture, and and in a way, it's it's really hard. To nail that down because you could spend all this time building what candidates want now mm -hmm. and then a pandemic hits and now it's going to be something completely different exactly. it's going to be flexibility and remote work and you know there's all the talk of the uh you know the how is it the, the great um what's the new buzzword now D digital pivot <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know that, that so many people are rethinking now hey is this really what i want to be doing yeah. yeah you know this the pandemic gave me too much time to think and so Absolutely. uh so there's going to be this this wave of people potentially changing uh you you know you you mentioned that you started out in logistics i started out in engineering i think a lot of people will be making those kind of decisions and so how does a you know how does a business prepare for that, you know, yeah. be ready for that as that comes down the line. I think that's a really interesting topic. I use this word in preparation, but I'll probably use it a lot today. <laughs> um, adaptability. And I think that is going to be the buzzword of 2021 as well as 2022. Yeah. Figuring out what is going to be working best for us right now as an organization, you have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. Whether you can't find the perfect candidate, maybe you are 
trying to think outside of the box, trying to find uh, non-traditional employees, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit later, uh, but really being adaptable in today's environment, um, I think is going to be huge for organizations, small and large. Um, We're kind of moving away from this traditional nine to five, you have to be in the office. I have to see you on the phones in order for me to know that you're working. Um, And you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, companies have spent so much time building up their culture and in the course of 10 months, some of that culture went away. Um, And how do you build that back up? And how do you promote uh, digital culture? And how do you promote um, something that is really exciting to work for in a digital environment? I think that's really interesting. Um, But I I do believe that that organizations have to be creative, creative thinking, (laughs) adaptable, um, and honestly, patience. I think right now we're used to, and you can appreciate this on the client end, I think we're all used to clients needing everything yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're kind of in this thinking mode of, okay, I understand it might take some while to find the perfect candidate. Yeah. Um, which is as a recruiting and staffing firm, I, we appreciate that <laughs> from, from a timing standpoint, but we'll, we'll get the right candidate. We just might take a little bit of time. Well, and, and it's interesting you mentioned that cause you know, I think the, at least everything I've read and I'm not, you know, this is, you know, just something I, I touch on peripherally in my role, but it's not, you know, my, my main focus, but you know, the, the talent pool is shrinking. You've got mm-hmm. you've got the boomers coming out. You've got you know you've got the next generation, the the millennials and the Gen Z mm-hmm. coming in to kind of fill that void. But you know you're you're starting to see you know particularly uh, with our clients in automation and in manufacturing, you know the skilled trades. Some of those roles aren't as prevalent. You know they're not being as uh, you know as, as talked about in schools and focused on. Sure. So it's even though there's there's you know, I think, uh, you know, last time I checked, there were there were about as many openings, job openings, as there were people on unemployment. Exactly. But you don't have that alignment in skills, which I think goes back to your your willingness to be flexible and adaptable and, and figure out how to, uh, you know, how to adjust your business model to suit what you have out there. And I think something that's interesting that we haven't seen in, you know, this is the first kind of job market shift that we've mm-hmm. seen in 11 years, yep. but this one's much different because it's changing very often and very frequently um, and very quickly, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think knowing kind of what the market looks like, what kind of candidates are out there. And it's for the first time in a long time, organizations weren't necessarily hiring for the last year. Mm-hmm. So they had the last 12 months to really think about their strategic hiring needs. Who's going to be, we have a saying at Diag Partners, right seat, right butts, right seats. Mm-hmm. Um, so to really be in that strategic mode to say, okay, we need five hires and these are it. We're going to find the perfect candidates going into that market to find, I'm going to use a cliche phrase here, but the purple squirrel, <laughs> um, that's becoming more and more difficult. So yeah. again, going back to that flexibility environment, you have to think creatively. If someone is hitting eight out of the 10 check boxes, you should talk to that person and, yeah. and, and have that conversation because you never know who you're going to talk to. They might be your next um, culture improver and and be the best employee on your team because of their work ethic, even though they they're missing maybe one or two skill sets. So, yeah, you know, and I think that that's I mean, that was one of the one of the concepts that I think, you know, Jim Collins, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put forth in good to great. Right. Was that, you know, focus on finding good people and then find the role to get them into. And, and so some of that goes back to what you're talking yeah. about is, you know, it's it's shifting from a a space of, oh, I need a controls engineer 
So I'm going to go out and I'm going to hire a controls engineer and I've got this big candidate pool to draw from. And then I've hired the best one and I go to saying, okay, I need these tasks completed or I need someone with these skills. And yeah, maybe part of their job is going to be controls engineer, but another part of their job is going to be, you know, something else that, you know, can we, can we somehow find a way to, to, to fill all of our functional requirements, but with some different folks. Exactly. You can teach new software. You can teach new technologies. You can't teach personality and work ethic. Yep. So that's a big takeaway for companies right now in terms of hiring. Well, and, and, you know, that is, uh, that, that was one of the other things we, we talked about in preparing for this is, so how are you seeing companies adapt to this tightening labor market? I mean, you've already kind of mm-hmm. touched on the adaptability piece, but are there any things you're seeing uh, companies focus on right now? Absolutely. There's uh, a lot of different things that companies are getting creative for in terms of hiring. I think one of the big players that a lot of people have been speaking about is the remote worker mm-hmm. right now. Um, for the last 45 years, we focused on a 30 mile radius commute wise, yeah. right? You can only find the talent that you're looking in in a 15 to 30 mile radius of Metro Detroit, let's say, for example. Now you're looking at a global scale. Um, I think some organizations aren't necessarily set up for hiring on a global scale, but yeah. let's take national, for example. Um, your market went from 30 miles to the entire United States. So so having that talent pool go from maybe 30 to 50 candidates to in the thousands really allows that organization to find the talent that they are looking for. Uh, if, if it is you know, such as automations, everyone's hiring automation oh, yeah. controls right now, right? <laughs> exactly. um, so I think having that opportunity and it's, it's definitely becoming more and more traditional to, let's say not even on a national basis, but hey, can you look for this candidate within a 200 mile radius, right? They mm-hmm. can work remote for the mo- majority of the time, but if I need them to come in, they can hop in a car and come to the office. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the trend that we've been seeing. And that I think from a hiring standpoint is going to open up the pool of ta- candidates immensely. Um, there's also kind of this interesting idea of pipelining candidates. Um, you spoke about uh, possibility of incoming and new talent, right? Mm-hmm. Where do we find that new talent and yeah. how do we get them trained up? Um, there's a lot of clients of ours that have learning labs that actually get um, maybe seniors in high school or seniors in college mm-hmm. interested in manufacturing, engineer, technology. That way, when they graduate, they have a position ready to go. I think a lot of organizations need to start thinking that way as well. Um, like, let's line up our, <laughs> our future talent and train them to be the talent that we need them to be in 20 years. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting to me because, um, you know, as, I, as I'm talking with my clients, as I'm looking at this, like the, the talent issue has has been a problem as long as I've been in the workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, even I mean, back in the 90s when I when I started in engineering, you know, it was always hard to find good engineers. There were there were a lot of us, but it was, it was hard to find sure. good ones. And, and so it's not like this is a brand new problem. Um, it's just people are now having to kind of refocus how they're going after it. Um, and, and I found it interesting. The, I was speaking with a professor um, from Purdue uh, the other week. And one of the things he mentioned is that, you know, manufacturing, you know, whether you're talking about the actual manufacturers or the, the supporting infrastructure, the integrators, the automation companies has a PR problem. Right. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks manufacturing that kids coming out of college, they want to go work for Tesla or they want to work for, you know, some app company in Silicon Valley. When in reality, you know, the, the industrial automation, you know, industry is doing a lot of 
cool, cutting edge, advanced work, but they just don't know it. You know, people think, oh, I don't want to go work in a plant and, you know, and, and deal with all that. So so he's like the, the companies have a, a PR problem that they've got to address. And so some of what you talked about there is getting out, you know, showing students, even at the high school level, maybe, you know, it's always there's always like those those uh, you, you see these reports come out from like ESPN or whatever of, uh, you know, Duke offering this sophomore in high school a scholarship offer or something like that to come play for him but that's really what it's getting to is you gotta you've got to capture these these kids attention so that they go into college thinking oh i want to go into automation or i want to go into aerospace and so so yeah that's it makes the it kind of shifts the time where businesses were spending it on going to campuses and going to job fairs and just having collecting resumes and talking to people to really now hey let's let's get out earlier and start finding out where to where to find these talent. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's also um, kind of this new idea of I, I was at a seminar not too long ago the encore career. Yeah. So a lot of boomers who maybe retired um, or st- stay-at-home mothers is a great example. Especially this last year, they had to stay at home and, and work two jobs to to take yeah. care of their home, to teach their kids, um, what have you. And now they're kind of back in this workforce and having that adaptability piece to say, hey, this person maybe hasn't worked in two to three years and, and maybe they are uh, don't necessarily have the newest technology, yeah. but they have 30 years of experience. Let's bring them on board, right? I, I think the idea of thinking outside the box, companies are, are realizing that that's what they need to do. Yeah, you know, even, and, and this was something that, that DIAG helped us with, uh, you know, as, as part of our practice, you know, one of our, our client services, R&D tax credits, and I was the only engineer within the organization. Help me. Yeah. And, and we, we found a, a gentleman like you were talking to, Encore Career. He, he works for us part-time now. He's, he's you know, got some other stuff going on. But, you know, it, it fills a need. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, it, it allows us to kind of step back and say, okay, well, where else could we potentially do that within our organization? You know, to, traditionally, Clayton McCurvy focuses on CPA hires, right? Sure. Do, we, do we find people who are on that CPA track? Are there portions of the job that we could upskill somebody to take over? Now that creates capacity with our more traditional hires to do, you know, higher value, you know, consulting and advisory services for for clients. So, and that brings up a good point too. Looking outside of your industry, I mm-hmm. think a lot of organizations kind of default. Well, we're in automotive, or we're in auto- robotics. We yeah. need someone who has that background. Uh, that's not always the case, right? So I, I think looking at correlating and parallel uh, organizations and and industries is something that. Companies can really do right now, um, yeah. and you're going to have success with that as well. So I, f- I think kind of getting that tunnel vision of we need <laughs> a person with 30 years of this experience in this software um, that needs to kind of go out the window, in in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, exactly, because it's uh, you, you never know where that next absolutely uh, that next opportunity could come from, and and that's a lot what you talked about the the pipelining that you mm-hmm. do with your clients. So mm-hmm. I, I guess how does how does Diag approach that with clients? Because really. All of those, you know, whether it's an encore career, it's, you know, it's offering an internship to a high school senior, things like that. That's all part of building that pipeline, right? So, so how do you, when, when a a client comes to you and says, Hey, 
Amy, we're ready to we're ready to, to change. You know, how do you guys start that process with them? So one of the parts I absolutely love about working for Diag and, and just Diag as a whole is that we are very much so consultative, right? We work with our partners. We have very strong relationships with our partners. We're not necessarily throwing resumes and saying, I hope it works. Yeah. Um, we're really diving into, okay, this is your engineering team. What do you need right now? What do you need in three months? What do you need in a year from now? Of course, we're going to start with your priority, right? Yeah. Um, but when it comes to pipelining, that's actually really where shift comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, so I mentioned shift as a kind of referral partnership program. So if you are referred by one of our clients, maybe a previous candidate, um, there's also instances where we worked with a candidate before they went through the interview process, they're absolute rock stars, they just didn't get the job, right? Yeah. Um, we want to work with those candidates continually, we want to make sure that they have first access to our jobs. So a week from Today, I'm working with the developer. I tell him, hey, we don't have any developer positions available. I'll let you know if, if one comes to attention. A week goes by, I get a developer role. I'm reaching out to that candidate and maybe one other candidate that's on my shift pipeline to make mm. sure that they have access to our roles before we go recruit on Indeed or recruit on LinkedIn. So that's kind of one portion of pipelining. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, I, th I think getting networked and getting really well connected with your pool of candidates is important. Because when you call them back, even if it's six months or a year from now, um, I have a good example on that, but uh, they will answer your call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they will yep. know who you are. If you are a hiring manager or a recruiter who is just kind of copying, pasting messages, um, and you're really not getting to know your talent pool, that's going to really be a deterrent for, for them moving forward. They want trust, uh, and they want to know something that I say for my shift candidates is when you get an email from me, I want you to get excited because you want to read it because it's a job that you're going to get <laughs> excited for. Um, I try to do my absolute best of eliminating the emails of, you know, I've been an engineer for 30 years, but my resume might have two buzzwords of sales. And I get inundated with Indeed emails saying, I have a $55,000 sales position. Are you interested? Like, yeah. did you did you read my resume? Did you look at my background? <laughs> um, I want to take that stigma away from staffing and recruiting. And I think that has a lot to do with pipelining. Um, I would tell companies right now, again, build relationships with your talent pool mm -hmm. and make sure that you're staying in contact uh, because they will accept your next call or email or <laughs> what have you. Uh, they're going to remember you if, if you do that. Well, and it really sounds like, you know, uh, you know, something we, we talk about internally, you know, as we're uh, as we're building our pipeline on the on the other side, the client pipeline, right, is sometimes extending that sales cycle. And, and that's really what you're talking about yeah. there is that it gets you then, um, it, it helps establish that understanding of culture. That's one of the things I always, I always kind of laugh about when, uh, when we're out recruiting at campuses, we're talking about campuses and, you know, inevitably the, the students will ask, well, well, tell me about the culture. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can tell, I can tell you about a color, but like until you actually see it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to experience it and know it. And so, as that process drags out and they start to see those touch points, they see, okay, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, this is, this is different. This isn't, you know, what I'm used to of just, oh, you've got a, you, you've got an opening here. I'm going to slam you with 50 resumes and tell me which one you want to meet with. You know, exactly. uh, that's the only way they're really going to see that it's kind of a different way of doing things. And in the end, you make sure you're getting that right fit. You know, the, the as you said, the right butts and the right seats. Exactly. Yeah. And you're authentic about it. Right. And I think that makes a big difference. If you are authentically yourself, 
even as a hiring manager or a recruiter, you're going to do much better with your talent pool. <laughs> and they're going to instill that trust in you versus, again, you know, a, a robot on the other end um, that is picking, picking buzzwords off a resume and hoping that it sticks to the wall. Um, we are really trying to, to break away from that. Um, and we have been for the last six years. So, Well, and hopefully, you know, a, a year from now, you know, we, we, things get back a little bit more to normal. But um, how, how have you found your clients trying to trying to establish that authenticity in a remote environment where you're interviewing, you know, Man, I, I interviewed somebody two <laughs> weeks ago yeah. and it was, it was completely over our, you know, our zoom platform. And I, um, you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. It was great to see the person face to face, but it's just not the same. So Absolutely. any, any recommendations for, for folks in that area? I think the interview process is one thing, right? We're all now very incorporated into zoom WebEx ring central, if you will. <laughs> um, so I think having as many team members involved as possible, um, maybe not necessarily a panel interview for your first round interview with a candidate. Yep. Uh, but I think having incorporating your, your culture people into those interviews is very important. Yeah. Um, one of our uh, clients actually d does do a virtual tour, which is pretty cool for candidates mm -hmm. to see. Um, like, hey, yeah, this is a virtual tour of our facilities and our lab. And, and this is kind of a sense of our culture. You can see the how the office is set up. I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, there's I would also encourage video. I know a lot of sometimes we, we default to just calls, mm -hmm. but I would encourage a face to face video call at the very least. Um, to really instill, this is who I am. I'm a real person. This is our culture, and and who are you as well? Yeah. So. No, that's, I think I think that's the one of the the nice things that's that's come out of this, you know, experience, uh, you know, of, of being forced to work remote and all this. There's all those things that companies have meant to do or intended to do, mm -hmm. but they just never got around to it, right? And so, you know, now if I'm a a system integrator in South Carolina and I found the perfect candidate, but he's up in Montana, like I need to have that culture defined. I need first need to know who we are as a, as a company, who we're looking for, what we want, and then, you know, package that in a way that they can understand that over zoom and, and really develop those skills that, okay, if you find somebody locally, you don't need to lean on that. Mm -hmm. But if you find the perfect candidate up in Montana and that's where they want to stay, you know, yeah, let's let's make sure you got all these these things in place. And so we're kind of a lot of companies I've seen checking those things off the list of, hey, we always meant to get around to doing this. Yeah. And and now here we are. And so. to be honest, I, I think companies might have to put a little bit more effort in mm -hmm. to uh, engaging with their employees that are remote. Yeah. So not necessarily just the interview process, but have a strong orientation, have a strong training program, if that's something that you do for or need for the candidate, rather. Um, do more check-ins often, have some one-to-one -one conversations. Um, I know we got a little tired of, of the virtual happy hours for a while, but engage your team yeah. and engage on an individual basis as well as department basis or, or entire company basis. I think putting a little bit more effort that way you don't necessarily lose that culture piece in a digital environment is, is super important. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think one of the things that uh, when we were talking about this, I mean, the one thing that's here to stay is right, that this is the change is going to continue. You know, it, it, it's probably not going to be another pandemic, but it's going to be something else that's going to continue to force this change. And really, in the technological circles, and I'm not an expert, but there's the, the concept of Moore's Law that you know, processing power of a computer increases at this exponential rate. 
but really that's kind of all aspects of our society, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, everything that business owners are doing now is going to be outdated, you know, in, you know, in the coming years. So, so what advice do you have uh, for business owners in, ter in terms of setting up their, their business and their processes to be adaptable and to be able to, to adjust to those things as they come up? I think learning what is important on the candidate's end, know what your market is, know what your team is looking for, know what your team is wanting, um, and being flexible from there and, and really understanding the needs of your team is going to help you be successful in this ever-changing environments. Because you are correct. Um, uh, what we're in, instilling in organizations today well, might even change in the next six months. Who yeah. knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think staying vigilant on what the the your market looks like, your industry looks like, um, listening to podcasts, listening, mm -hmm. to, you know, getting involved in the community, not necessarily just your small bubble, I think is going to be really important. Talking to your peers, what are they doing, right? What are yeah. they doing differently? What has been successful for you? Um, I think that's a really strong strategic approach to being a strong hiring company in today's market. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, I, I think that's a great point that that often gets overlooked. You know, the um, we're involved with a couple different industry groups associated with automation, the Control System Integrators Association, A3, um, but it's it's really important to be involved in those things, not just to have it on your website, mm -hmm. that, hey, we're a member of CSIA, we're a member of A3. Get involved. But yeah, get involved. Talk to your peers, understand what they're doing, because, uh, you know, one of, one of my clients uh, mentioned that, their plan long-term is to, to stay remote. And he's like, eventually as I can get out of my long-term leases, I could bring the whole company together at a resort for a long weekend to get that morale, team exactly. building time. And, and even what I found in my own experience is when I do go back into the office now, it's a much more focused of, okay, hey, I'm gonna meet with Denise to talk about this and meet with Tim to talk about that. And because you know you're, you're in the office for a specific period of time, specific purpose, and then I'm going to be back home working. So, um, yeah, just to, to be able to be flexible and adapt to those things, I think, will help help businesses going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, Amy, I really appreciate you coming in today, you know, and, and giving us this time. If, uh, if anyone listening to this you know, heard something that they want to follow up on, what's the what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So there's a few ways. Uh, I am obviously on LinkedIn. I'm yep. a recruiter and, and a lot of my contact information is everywhere. Amy Lackey at Diag Partners. You can also go to uh, diagpartners.com. And uh, for clients who need hiring, for candidates who are looking for a job, um, you can apply to our website and it actually comes directly to me. So I will reach out to you and, and start a conversation and kind of know the best path uh, and how to navigate whatever you need from a hiring standpoint. So that, that is the one thing I, I really do like about it that, uh, you know, in, in my experience, having referred a couple clients in, you know, it's I think you guys take a very similar approach to us, right? That there's no, it's not a eat what you kill type environment. So mm -hmm. if it gets to you, if it gets to Joe, if it gets to, you know, whoever that uh, that you've been working with, they'll make sure the, the, the candidate, the company, whoever it is, gets in the right hands to help help solve those problems. Correct. We're, we're a very macro thinking company, uh, and, I, and I love that. So whatever you need, we'll figure it out, and, and it might take a little bit of time, or it might take one day. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll figure it out, and we'll get it done. Excellent. Well, Amy, thanks again. Thank and you. And I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, and share on social. To learn more about Clayton and McCurvey, visit us at claytonmccurvey.com. 
That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-M-C-K-E-R-V-E-Y.com. We thrive on finding the solutions for you.